From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 316. Today's show is brought to you by Harry's and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Brad Dowdy. Hello, married man Mike Hurley. Yes, that's that's true. <laughs> that is a thing that happened. That is a thing that happened in my past. It was a good day. Good. I am glad that you had a good day on your wedding. There was much emotion. <laughs> No one knows. No one knows. No. So I am, we by the time you're, as we mentioned last time, I am, by the time you're hearing this, married, but at the time we're recording it, I am not. So I feel like we, we, our, our listeners love it when we, when we mess around like that. So I'm fine doing things like that. And hopefully our listeners are fine with an entire show dedicated to hashtag ask tpa mike what do you think you think they're going to listen to this or you think they're just going to turn of off and say uh because everyone uh, wants to know if it's their question that's been picked that's true um it, it's a high likelihood <laughs> it was picked for this episode because if we're going to cover uh 45 minutes to an hour of podcasting topics we need lots of questions so i've been hitting everyone up for the last couple of weeks um collecting questions for this show Got a bunch from Twitter, got a bunch from Slack, got a bunch in from the email. I guarantee we don't get to all of them. Really? Okay, mm-hmm. I'll make you that bet. I'll, right. I'll make you that bet. I, I, I think we do get to all of them. And these are in no particular order, so there's not any running themes. We're going to be, uh, we're going to have some hard breaks between questions, you know, switching topics, but that's good. You know, we're answering the questions that you asked. So we're going to start it off with Yevgeny, which I really liked this question. If you could launch any of your beloved stationary items into space for all time as a testament to our community, what would it be? You, I think, took the easy route. I don't think so. I think it's a it's a great it's a great answer, but I think everyone goes, "Oh, I know what Mike's going to say." Right? I think it makes sense. One of the space themed retro fifty ones. I feel like you know, sending a little pen that looks like a space rocket into space that makes sense to me. That's kind of cool. Like, I saw your answer. I was like, yep, that's Mike. And that's also the correct answer. I had a tough time with this, actually. (laughs) Like, I put some thought into this. And I chose the Notco Brass Town. And it's like a super selfish thing. (laughs) But it's something I'm super proud of. And I want it to live on. I want the alien colonies to discover this pin case and, you know, put their needles in that they stick in our human brains and and suck out the liquids Mm -hmm. for later. And this is going to be like their their hypodermic needle storage when it gets into uh, when it gets into the outer space and picked up by the uh, the roving spacecraft. Uh, I felt a little weird like that. But then I'm like, no, I'm proud of this. And I want that to be. You know, the stationary item that lives in outer space for all time. I want it to be a brass town. And, you know, maybe we'll put some pins in it or something. I don't know. Maybe we'll put Mike's Retro 51s in there and then launch the whole kit together. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Maybe I'd even put the uh, the Dudek one up, you know, like so it's got a little map of space. Anyone finds it, they know which way to go. We can see if it... Um... We can see if it uh, makes it all the way to Pluto, and then Pluto can become a planet again. Because or just feel better about pens. themselves. Over yeah, Pluto. Yeah, yeah, just a little special gift to make Pluto feel better, and mm-hmm. write us a, a note that we'll see in several hundred thousand years from now. All right, <laughs> hard break. <laughs> all the hobbies wants to know: Does the stationary? pin podcast blog vlog world have room for more podcasts blog vlogs etc what advice do you have to folks thinking about jumping into one of these ventures 
I will start by saying off the top that the internet has no maximum capacity. Right? So yep. yes, in theory, of course, there's space. Like no one's gonna no one can stop you. Um the problem is the problem is so I can come at this from a world where uh what is happening to the pen kind of community has already happened to the technology community. So if you are, you know, a person who is interested in like commentary on Apple products, that world is full. Like mm-hmm. it is very 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 difficult in 2018 to get a podcast or a blog uh or even a technology focused YouTube channel off the ground today because there is a real saturation of voices um, that exist right now. And honestly, if you are kind of somebody in that world, by and large, what you're looking for is diverse voices now, like that, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great thing. And um, there's been, there is work going on in, in kind of in that corner of the world. And I hope that it continues. And we're trying all we can at Relay FM to do what we can in that realm as well. So like, yeah, if you are a person who is considered a minority in a community, whether that's by gender or race or background of other kind, uh, then that will help you, of course, because if that's what people are looking for, then great. But by and large, I would say that in the technology community, like if you wanted to start a podcast about Apple products today, it is very unlikely that that podcast will get will become popular because there are millions of them, right? Like there are, mm-hmm. there's hundreds and hundreds if not thousands, definitely thousands uh, of podcasts focused on this topic. So mm-hmm. over the time that I've been involved in the pain community, uh, we went from being like the only podcast about stationary that I could find that or that ever made it to a point where it was known. And now there are many, right? And, mm-hmm. and that, mm-hmm. that keeps growing. Um, I'm sure you would see the exact same thing with blogs, right? You, you were like one of the reasons that the pen app is as successful as it is. Is because you started doing something before people started doing it, right? Mm-hmm. There are other mm-hmm. reasons, like in the fact that you are very good at what you do, but it, you identified a niche and you catered to that niche. But now there are lots of people that want to do the thing Brad Dowdy did. And mm-hmm. what that means is it becomes way, 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 way harder. So the advice that I will give to all the hobbies is the same advice that I give to people who ask me about starting a technology podcast. Only do it if you okay if you want to be successful like very successful in this you have to find the thing that makes you significantly different to whatever exists right now if all you want to do is do this thing because it's a thing that you love and you want to have fun and you want to do something with your friends then go for it like no one's going to stop you but if your plan is i would like to make this a successful thing one day then you need to find the thing that makes you different if you're going into any of these things with I want to make money, stop. Just stop and reframe yep. and start again because you cannot go into any kind of creative side project like this hoping like with the idea of I'm going to do this so I can make money. That's not how this works. Like because people that work like that, they tend not to have uh, the right frame of mind when it comes to commitment because I will tell you right now, it takes a long time to make any money in basically every case. So expect you're going to be doing it for free. Go out there and do it. And if it's good, people will come to it. And then maybe one day you could turn it into a thing. 
yeah. So I'll, I'll add a couple things. Um, I think you should jump in to the stationary blogging, podcasting, blogging, because the one difference that it has from, say, like Mike's technology comments is that it's evergreen content. Um, technology content is not. So technology content content is driven by news and timelines and release dates. Mm-hmm. Stationary is not. It's uh, it's more uh, personal. It's more personality driven from a time frame perspective. It's the content I wrote 10 years ago while things have changed about a certain pen is still good content. So the sooner you start doing that, the bigger base you have. So you should not hesitate because you think there might be too many of these other things out there in the stationary world. I don't believe. Um, I had a friend uh, last night on Twitter, Davey, who said, I don't see, I'm very interested in paper. I don't see enough paper reviews. Should I start a paper blog? Yes, you should. You should start it immediately. And yeah, but that that's what I'm talking about, like identifying a niche in the market, right? Like he's identified right. an area. It's like, well, I can't find this content, so maybe I should make it. Right, right. So, you know, I'm going to tell anyone in the stationary game to continue to do it, right? To start something new, start something fresh, see what your voice is. Is your voice different than what's out there? You know, don't start something like Mike said to make money or run ads on. Um, That's just something that comes over time if you do a good job, you know, starting things out. So, you know, but I, I wouldn't hesitate to tell someone to jump in today, start a stationary blog, start a YouTube channel, start a Twitch stream, start an Instagram account. Um, you know, I think a good example of a recent uh, blog that has kind of jumped right into the middle of the fray because she does an awesome job and she's very consistent and she's very focused is that's Kelly at Mountain of Ink. Like she's done three, four, five hundred ink reviews in the past year or two. <laughs> Like she went, she went all in from the jump and has, has been able to stick with it. And, you know, now I, I love reading her work and, you know, I think she's, she's doing a great job. That's a good example of someone, you know, we've all reviewed inks in the past. She says, well, I'm going to review inks too, and I'm going to do it my way. And here's what I want to see in the blogosphere that I'm not getting and went out and created it herself. So, you know, I think that's an, an awesome thing. So Kim's second part of the question, you kind of answered it a little bit. She says, along those lines, what advice would you give to prevent turning a hobby passion into work for those who aren't going to be doing this as a full-time job? Do what you enjoy the most. Don't do it for clicks. Don't do it for follows. Don't do it for eyeballs. Don't do it for money. If you do it from a place of enjoyment and fun and happiness and true meaning to yourself, then it never becomes work. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if as long as you're it's only becomes work when you're not being, you know, true to like the things that you really believe in as a person. And that's different for everyone. You have to figure out what that is, what, you know, what I believe and, you know, what you believe are different things. And, you know, that goes for everybody. So, you know, um, you definitely if it starts to feel like a job and it's not your job, then you might need to take a look at it before. And those are some of the challenges I went through back in the day, Mike. You'll, you remember these days when I was working so hard at the pen attic and getting burnt out because I was working a full-time job at the same mm-hmm. time too. But, you know, I eventually, you know, you have these moments with yourself where you 
things, moments of clarity that don't necessarily come easy um, at the time. And it leads you down these paths. And I've certainly had struggles and ups and downs through all this. And, uh, you know, it's great to have this this community now to bounce these things off of. And anyone out there who's thinking about starting or anyone out there who has been doing this for a while and, you know, wants to be involved more, let me know. You know, I, you know, the stationary community is great because there's no there's no blogger beef, <laughs> you know, there's no podcaster angst, you know, we're all one big happy family. We're all happy to support each other. We want to see everyone do well. And I think that's why we're in the situation that we're in right now, where there's just such a burgeoning community around pens and inks and paper and stationery and the different formats we can deliver that conversation now, which we didn't have, you know, five or 10 years ago. So it's fantastic. So long story short, jump in, start today, be yourself and uh, everything else will take care of itself. All right, Tony. WTF Tony. You know Tony, Mike. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is kind of a related question. What things do you automate, like social media posts, et cetera? I forget the uh, the context of when this question first came up from Tony. Like it's like a couple of weeks ago. I saved this because I thought it was a good question. I automate as little as possible. This is a personal thing with me. I want there to be meaning behind everything that I do because as someone who creates things and has a relationship with the other end of the screen or the other end of the podcast, you want to, what's the best way to say it? You don't want to be a burden to those who follow you. Therefore, I don't repeatedly link things. You know, I don't have automation schedules that Mm -hmm. repost content over and over again because I feel like that burns out readers. Um, It's an overload. Like, I'll make up the only thing that I can think I automate right now is when a blog post publishes. I click a button that sends it to Twitter. And you can say that's automated. I mean, you know, if I schedule my post in advance say 9 a.m., which is generally when I post the reviews in the morning, that tweet gets sent to Twitter so I don't have to go type it in myself. But I don't have, in case you missed it, tweets. Like, if you didn't, like, you know how to find me. I hope you enjoy my content. Here's the article I posted today, and, you know, tomorrow I'll have another one. I don't need this constant impersonal actions for you know, my readers, that's just a, it's a personal thing. Like everyone's different, but I feel that if I am not coming at any type of communication from a direct personal in a direct and personal way, it's not content that I want to put out there. I, it's extraneous to me. Um, and I know not everyone agrees with that. Um, And that's okay. Like, I think people should do what they feel is best for them. And I do what's best for me. And for me, that's not automating things. Um, I hope that kind of makes sense. I think you know where I'm kind of getting at, Mike. I don't Mm -hmm. know if if you are, Tony. But, you know, I've I've talked about when we talk about blogging um, and doing it as a business, I have to ask, you know, um, my readers and followers and members, 
I have to ask them for support on occasion. And over long periods of time, you build up, you know, I call it like just in a mental term, you build up credit with your with your readership by providing them content, by answering their questions. And you like build up all these credits so that when you do put out the ask, like, hey, will you consider becoming a member, um, that they haven't been overburdened with stuff to think about other than like reading your content and supporting you if they're interested in. So I don't like the extraneous fluff that um, automation schedules provide. Um, so that's me. That's how I, I tend to operate. So that's that's it. <laughs> I wouldn't say I have such a like philosophical view on it. I, I don't mm-hmm. really automate a lot of stuff just because if I do it, I know it's going to be done. Like when it comes mm-hmm. to, to posting of things, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes, like you know, we do a bunch of things. So like we have some show-specific Twitter accounts, and mm-hmm. IFTTT looks at our RSS feeds and publishes tweets for those, right? But mm-hmm. that's kind of all that I do. I, I don't really do anything more yeah, like yeah. that. You know, like I, I don't use Buffer or something to right. schedule a tweet to go. And I have no problem with people that do that. It's sure. just my own personal thing. I don't really yeah. feel the need to do it. I employ automation in many other parts of my working life, but it's usually stuff that's just for me as opposed to things mm-hmm. for everyone else. Yeah, I guess the short version of this whole conversation, just like the last one, is I automate the thing once. And that's it. So, okay. you know, I send my blog to Twitter when it publishes. Right. There's there's nothing more than that. Like that I can think of maybe I'm missing something, but that's it. Like I don't automate anything else like that gets that gets published. So. And you know what makes that easy? For me to do my oh yeah yeah squarespace squarespace, squarespace. Makes that easy for me to do nice transition today's show is brought <laughs> to you by squarespace make your next move with squarespace we were just talking about doing creative things if you have an idea that you want to put out into the world you need a website for it and if you need a website the best place to go is squarespace because that you can make your next move with them you will you'll be able to easily create the website that you want to make they have all of the tools that you're going to need you can very easily grab a domain name squarespace offer domain names now as well so it just becomes that one true package you can take advantage of and customize beautiful award-winning templates which are very easily allow you to add in a slew of functionality maybe you want to add an online store or a blog component to your website maybe you want to add a music player or a map to your website maybe it's a business site that you're building maybe you want to build a website for your wedding that's what i did with squarespace it was so easy to do they even have pre-made templates just for weddings it was so simple they even like even just kind of from the the idea of what you need to have on a wedding website like we could customize all of that because <laughs> you just use the content and you can blow it, was it very all away useful website mike I'm there not you gonna go lie. it was very useful and that's because of squarespace they're on only one platform that will let you build just about any website you want to make there's nothing to install patch or upgrade they have got you covered, and even with 24-7 customer support, they got you back. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can go and try it for free just by going to squarespace.com slash penaddict. There's a free trial there. No credit card required to sign up, and then you can make sure you're going in and you're taking a look and you're making sure everything works for you, and then you go ahead and get it all done. Squarespace is amazing. Once you decide to sign up, use the offer code PENADDICT and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash PENADDICT and the code PENADDICT to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. 
So we got a few product related questions, as you can imagine. And Lynn wants to know, I enjoy writing letters to my family and friends, and it's a good opportunity to bring out a fountain pen and great color ink. However, I'm challenged with finding good paper to use for this. I'm currently using Rhodia A5 dot pad that has a finely perforated top and a Tomoe River notebook with a glue top that's about the same size. Both of these are okay, although the Tomoe River is a bit too thin for me. Any suggestions for another type of paper that is a bit more luxurious, at least worthy of the time spent to write a leather? And either separate sheets or tears cleanly and won't break the bank. So as someone who doesn't write a lot of letters, I do have a couple of letter writing papers that I use on the occasions that I like to use them. My favorite by far is the Pilot letter pad. So it's kind of expensive. Like it, I don't know where it falls and breaks the bank level, but 30 sheets for $14 is Woo! the opposite of cheap, but it's really nice. I like the pad that it comes in. It, it tears off cleanly. It handles fountain pens. Well, I've done some reviews on this paper before the lines are really wide if you if you write big you know i i might write like two lines between the lines there it's a little bit of a weird format there but i really really like this paper that's my preferred letter writing paper and i guess it's affordable to me because i'm not burning through it <laughs> i still have the original pad that i bought um you know and probably like 10 sheets left in it or something like that the other one i like and i think it's a little bit cheaper is life does some really nice um, smaller sheets like that that pilot paper is not quite a4 I didn't see what size it is it's bigger than a5 but I don't think it's quite a4 size let's see does it even say uh, who knows yeah it's a who knows size so it's probably I don't know whatever b5 is b6 I don't know what those sizes are not b6 that's too small 9.8 anyway. inches by 6.8 inches that's the yeah. size of it so that's really good stuff so life paper is wonderful it's a little bit cheaper uh, this is 50 sheets it's the life airmail letter pad um, i think this is more like a5 size though it's smaller um, and it's really good quality paper it uh it is thin like the tomoe river so you may not like that as much but life has some other regular sheets um, that tear off cleanly from pads that are good for writing as well so they have a thicker a thicker pad as well and um, you can also get like um the L brand writing paper. That's the one I'm talking about. So that's really good stuff too. So it's 30 sheets, A5 for like 625. I'm looking on jet pens right now. So those are really good. And you can get matching envelopes for those. You can get actually paper and envelopes for cheaper than the pilot paper. I just have a, I don't know, have a sweet spot for that pilot paper. Like maybe because it is expensive and I use it when I do fancy stuff. So, you know me, I'm a fancy man. Like our next caller mike mm -hmm. this is a live radio show so we have callers so mm -hmm. chewbacca uh chewbacca is gonna he filled up he filled up the ask tpaq with uh with some good questions here and he's making pins right now so this is a an important question to him with all of the swirly acrylic pin materials out there saturating the market what do you see as the next trend in pin material designs that's a super tough question i have an answer okay you go first because i have a couple whatever jonathan brooks comes up with <laughs> So my answers come <laughs> from seeing uh, off the market Jonathan Brooks stuff because he's someone who experiments with a lot of things. I think you're going to see a lot of different, um, you're going to see some layered materials cut at differing angles to bring out different patterns in those materials. Interesting. Um, 
think of like the uh like that arco material that's got so much you know layers and depth to it but like cut at different angles or you know manipulated different ways to keep a same look but have a different underlying pattern so you're going to see some some non-traditional swirl stuff coming soon like you know once you've seen a there's a few swirl patterns that are so popular it's like you see them throughout a bunch of different makers and that's okay you know there but like you're at like you're saying Brian I, we're getting to the point where some of it's getting a little bit saturated and people are looking for new things it becomes less um, special over time mhm mhm you know like you see see similar things happening over and over again and um the specialness mm-hmm. starts to fade and it's like oh that's like that type of pen and like yeah. don't get me wrong like you can still be surprised. There can still be like a color thing that grabs you, but sure. it's it's like you become accustomed to seeing a specific type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it looks like you know there will be a change because there's going to be the next thing that blows people away. Yes, I think we're going to see a, a lot more layering and a lot more angle cuts of that material that doesn't really play out in traditional acrylics, um, which leads into the cost question these certainly these things are going to be more expensive that's why these acrylics have become so popular because they're easier to make and cheaper to buy and easy to manipulate and easy to turn into pens so um these next these next materials are going to be harder to make and harder to manipulate and harder to turn into pens so the cost will be um, associated with that so brian also wants to know do you have any concerns carrying a fountain pen in your pocket when the temperature is over 90 degrees fahrenheit that has never crossed my mind. So I guess I would say I have no concerns. Straight up, I don't even know why that would be a problem. Yeah. Um, because I'm not outside in that temperature for 12 or 14 hours. So, you know, popping in and out of hot and cold might actually be worse. I don't know. Just the, oh, if you're going out in a really, really hot temperature and then back into like the air conditioning. But those have never really concerned me. Um, maybe there's some filling mechanisms that might have an issue um, with that. But I've never experienced anything as someone who lives in a an area where it's 90 plus degrees for probably four months consistently out of the year. I've never seen any issues. I would not leave anything in my car when it gets, you know, that brings the temperature up to probably 120, 130 degrees inside of a car. I would never do that. I would be worried in that case. But uh outside with movement and not being hit in the direct sunlight i wouldn't it's never never come up so brian aka chewbacca saved his uh fighting question for last mike it's a very simple question what is the best filling system for a fountain pen you go first a converter system see we're gonna fight all right i mean it's it's a it's a piston filler, like a piston. I disagree. A built a built in piston no, no, is no. the best. I like them a lot. They're a lot of fun, but they come with uncertainty. Like what? If you have a a converter, right? Something mm. gets stuck in the converter or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like it starts to to jam up a little bit. Just pop it out and put a new one in. With, with a piston filler, if you can't see what's going on, right? What? How do you fix that? I mean, they're consistently more consistent. For one, they don't. <laughs> Great they're argument. Not as, they're not as fragile as as converters. But yeah, I mean, yeah, but converters I, are like know, all the, that situation is is user repairable. Yeah, but I guess in the all the pistons I have, I'm coming at this from a 
perspective is I've never had to repair a piston. Same. Well, okay, that's a lie. Twisby. I've had problems well, with Twisby systems. That's Twisby. Okay. Right. Yeah, but, that's fair. I've had to re-grease a Twisby piston. Yes. All right. And there you go. That's the kind of stuff you have to do. It is the, mm-hmm. I prefer to use in my own pens piston fillers. Like, mm-hmm. it is my favorite, but I don't think it's the best. I think best mm-hmm. and favorite are different. I think best is because you get, you get to bring as much ink as you want. You can vary the size of the converter. You can change to different types of converters depending on whatever features you might want, like the ideal filling system for you, whether it's like a twisty one or a squeezy one. Mm-hmm. And also, if something goes wrong, you can pop it out and it will cost you cents to fix. Like If yeah. you have a pen that's a piston filler and something goes wrong, you're looking at a lot of convenience and potentially a lot more money to fix. Yeah, but I think that doesn't even register on majority of modern piston fillers. There's so much more ink capacity. They're so much easier mm-hmm. to use. There's less parts mm-hmm. to lose and fidget with. Um, it's just a far superior filling system. If I have a choice of you know a piston or a converter, I don't know any situation I would ever choose a converter, a cartridge converter fill. I am not disagreeing with you. Like, this mm -hmm. is how I personally feel about my own pens. But, Mm -hmm. like, if the question is, like, Mike Hurley's making a pen for the masses, Mm -hmm. he's putting a converter in it so he doesn't have to deal with the problems, which is the reason I expect that that Chewbacca is asking this question. Right? Like, if he's making pens, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what do we think? Right? And and I genuinely think that converters will, will. um, are easier to deal with over time because there is less potential place for problems. But if you want what is probably the most like people's favorite system, it's a piston filler. But if you want to like as a maker, just make it as simple as you can on yourself. I would recommend a converter. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I don't see any. I like a converter wouldn't even register with me for best filling system. Like that's how inferior i think it is like it's the most useful and most functional as far as convenience wise it's just not the best i think that your grading system of inferiority is like (laughs) so minuscule though right because (laughs) the ways in which a converter is worse than a piston filler the differences are very small like you can you can rank them but like, okay, so like ink capacity, it's not like a, a, a piston filler in most cases would necessarily be like five times the amount of ink, right? Or like the, 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 the variance between these two things and all of these points is comparatively very small, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But you can rank them and say like, this is better than this on all of these points. But like that graded scale has got to be really small. Mm-hmm. When you or filling a new pen, would you rather dip the nib in and fill it with a piston filler or open up the pen barrel and fill it with a converter? You're not going to change my mind because <laughs> I've already told you it's so me much, personally what I want to do enjoyable. is always piston. Right? That is my personal feeling. But like, if right. we're looking so for what best. is the best, no, 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 favorite. The difference. It's like if you say, what is the best movie of all time? What is your mm-hmm. favorite movie? They are two very, very different questions. Mm-hmm. Fa- what is my favorite filling system? Piston. What do I think is the best filling system for everyone in the world? Converters. Yeah. I don't know. I guess see. 
I, I knew this would be a fight and it's a good fight. And, uh, you know, I, you know, best is, uh, Brian asked this question correctly in mm-hmm. leaving it completely open. Right. For his favorite uh, was easy. Yeah. Favorite's easy, but best and best for who? Like he didn't say best for you, best for the world, best for his pins, you know? So these are the, these are the best questions to fight about. And, uh, as usual, you're wrong. So next questions mm-hmm. from donut, Jimmy, what is your opinion of buying pins, etc., on Amazon from Japan? For example, the Pro Gear Imperial Black, which is listed at 240 versus 450 in the US, and the implications with regards to American retailers. So this is always a good question, and we've kind of um, answered this several times over the years. And I've been known to use both. Um types of, of, of buying where I've bought a pin that was not really available from a U.S. retailer overseas. Um, in the case of my Pilot Custom 823, the only option I had was amber from a U.S. retailer, but I could buy clear from Japan. So that was an example of where I chose to go from Jap- to Japan for a pin that I really, really wanted and uh, wasn't going to settle for what was available in the American market. That's not necessarily a retailer problem. The issue with the Pro Gear Imperial Black is a lot of, say, U.S. vendors carry the Imperial Black at a very high price. You can get it from Japan for a much, much greater uh, discount. And I don't know that, number one, I don't tell anyone how to spend their money, right? If you can get a large discount and that's the most important thing to you, you should. And in the case of these dollars, which I haven't verified, that's an enormous difference in price. Um, And no one would fault you for doing that. And no one would fault you for spending your money as you best see fit. So you just have to understand from an American retailer's perspective, those prices get you a lot more. You know, if you're paying a premium, it's because you're getting more in service, you're getting more in support, you're getting more in education, which doesn't always um, show up in the bottom line when you're comparing prices in a black and white format. But the additional things you get um, from, you know, your local retailers, and let's not even say American, you know, just from your local market to an outside market, um, you're getting supporting those local to you retailers is important for all the additional benefits you get, whether that manifests itself in the black and white price of the pen. So there's no easy answer to this. You have to make an individual decision. I've done it both ways. Um, I would prefer to buy everything from, you know, say my local retailers, if you will. There's some situations where that doesn't work out as simply as possible, but I do understand the benefit of going through a retailer as opposed to Amazon, that's where I would be a little bit more hesitant, certainly like through Amazon, if you're buying um, a pen. So you don't necessarily know what you're getting. Um, Not that there's going to be a problem or anything wrong, but there's a lot more risk in going through Amazon for a comparable pen. Um, If you don't know the store on the back end, who's providing that pen, right? Which on Amazon, some cases you don't. So I don't know. Those are kind of my thoughts. Do you have anything to add to that? It differs. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say one is right and one is wrong. Um, well, there is no. Yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong. And you know what I'm going to do, too? I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the most recent episode of Thoroughly Considered, where we spoke about the complexities of made in America and made in China. Um, yeah, I need to go listen to that. That's in my queue. 
I think you'll enjoy that one. There are uh, this isn't the exact same discussion, but I think there are parallels where the idea of like sometimes people can get lost in supporting the home team um, mm-hmm. when that when there are sometimes benefits for up for in different ways. So, like for example, mm-hmm. as you say in what you have available to you, and also price. Um, so. Mm-hmm. I recommend listening to that. I think that it, it helps maybe put some stuff into perspective, which I think is quite important. Yep. Yep. All right. This is a, a company I support a lot, Mike. One of our good friends and sponsors of this show, Harry's. Why don't you tell us about them? Harry's founders decided that they wanted to create this company because they were fed up with paying for overpriced razors full, chock full of unnecessary features. They knew harry's founders know that a great shave comes down to having great blades made of sharp durable steel that lasts and they cut out the unnecessary costs by and allowing them to deliver to you one perfect razor at a stunning price by selling directly to you over the internet harry's can offer their blades at a price much lower than the leading brand you pay just two dollars per blade compared to maybe four dollars or more that you'd be paying for other razor brands harry's bought a factory this is how they were able to make sure that they could have great consistency and they could also sell them for cheap this this factory has been making some of the highest quality blades in the world for over 95 years and now they make harry's blades for them they even offer a 100 quality guarantee if you don't love your shave let harry's know within 30 days and they'll get you a full refund brad why will people love harry's well i'm gonna ask you that mike i'm gonna flip the script here i mean mm-hmm. how good did i look at your wedding the very best, smooth, yeah. crisp, smelling good, yeah. just like the Brad Dowdy that I know. I mean, and you know how I got that, right? That is Harry's. all thanks it's the to only Harry's. way. It's the only way. But Brad without Harry's is almost like a Yeti human. <laughs> he needs it. <laughs> he true. needs it. It's the only way he can achieve those the gorgeous looks that you're used to seeing is, is by <laughs> using Harry's products. Yep. That's right. They travel well. Made it across the pond. So, yeah, look, at, look good at the wedding, Mike. Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades, but they know that switching razors is not an easy decision. This is something that you're probably very, you know, you're used to who you use. So they want to make it easy for you to try them out. New customers can get $5 off of a shave set with the, at Harry's, from, you can get any of their shave sets. You get $5 off with the code PENADDICT at harrys.com. That means you can get a trial set that comes with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and travel cover, all for just $3.00. Plus free shipping. All you need to do is go to Penaddict. Sorry, all you need to do is go to Harry's.com and use the code Penaddict. That is H A R R Y S.com and the code Penaddict to check out, and you get $5 off a shave set, which means you could pick up an incredible set for just $3 if you want. Join the millions of people who've already switched. Go to Harry's.com, use the code Penaddict to check out, and you'll be able to get that wonderful discount to claim your offer. Thank you so much to Harry's for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's build a pen, Mike. I think we've answered Uh-oh. kind of this before, but I don't, I'm not sure that we have, at least not in a while. So Jacob wants to know, if you had the requisite skills, tools, and materials, and when you were going to make your own custom pen, what would it look like? So straight up, we start with a converter, right? That's what we're building the whole thing around, <laughs> the most important part of a pen, the converter. That's disappointing. No, piston filler, right? Piston <laughs> filler, and it's going to be a demonstrator, right? Like I feel like, let's build this together here. I think that's more okay. fun. So piston filler, demonstrator mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we need to choose the color but i think we could both agree that we want to be able to see through it so 
I mean, if you want to do this, we can just cut the chase and get Sailor to make an orange demonstrator king of pens, and then we're done. <laughs> How much money will I give them? Oh, hang on a second. All of my money. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, that's what I would want. That is exactly mm-hmm. the pen, right? Like, mm-hmm. a king of pen, demonstrator, orange. Like, if we had the skills, tools, and materials, i.e., if we were Sailor Penko, that's what mm-hmm. we would make. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, that pen is something else. So yeah, I don't. It, you know, if we want to get this like on a on a personal like one off like one and only and go like ultimate pen, um, I did answer this on the BYOB podcast the last time I was on there, and it I would I didn't have like specifics, but I would get an artist involved. Like I would pick you know find an artist that you know I really enjoy and do something not while well, not like a uh, like a gaudy art piece, but something subtle like Nakaya ish, but with someone that you know i support and and believe in uh, to to do the barrel and then just kind of go from there that would be like if i did that but if i'm doing a pin to make and to sell man give me an orange king of pen it's over it'd just be over at that point yeah i think that's probably the perfect thing yeah yeah all right daniel i put in this question daniel's in the in the slack room and i put this uh question to call him out because I, I I copied this exactly how he wrote this. Somebody that listened, did he answer my question about when I can give him money for the twelve pin case? So number one, I'm disappointed that you didn't listen, Daniel, and you're you're asking for input from somebody that did. <laughs> and I found that completely hilarious when I was reading these questions yesterday. But it brought up the broader question of pin case design, which is why I put this in there. So we have a. 12 pin case prototype we've been carrying around for knock and I don't think we're going to make that case but the wheels are in motion in Jeff's head to design something for larger uh, capacity larger quantities of pins so it won't be like purely a 12 pin case I don't think but we have some ideas for different ways to carry large amounts of pins and we're always messing around with things, trying new designs. It's a slow process, as anyone who's followed us over the years knows, um, to manufacture something um, from, you know, a thought in your head to an actual product that other people can buy is an extraordinarily long process, especially for us. Um, so, you know, there's things in the works. I don't have a 12, pi- 12 pin case, pin, pin case that's imminent. But we do have an idea for a larger pin case that we want to try. We don't even have the prototype yet, but we've got the sketches and designs and and materials and layouts. So uh, we'll uh, we'll make a prototype. We'll be teasing y'all with it at some point, probably later this year, and then uh, see if it becomes a real thing. Because we do a lot of a lot. Of, we make a lot of prototypes that always don't make the cut. And um, so the one I'm carrying now for 12 pins may not make the cut, but something else might. So Daniel also wanted to know since I, I gave him a hard time about the, the beginning of that question, what do you think the ink world is missing? And my answer to that is nothing. <laughs> I think my stance on the ink world is crystal clear. I get asked to make an ink all the time. There's a reason why I haven't made my own pen addict ink is because I don't think I can do anything new. And that's important to me or different, you know, not something to stand out. Can you think of anything possibly that the ink world is missing? Mike, no, I, I'm not attuned to it enough. Like there, yeah. there's already too much for me to even begin to understand. Yeah, 
Like I, I don't feel like I'm lacking anything. Like what am I lacking? And when I look at all the inks that are available to me, do I go, boy, I wish I had X. I mean, I think people would always love like a faster dry time, you know, just in a general sense, but there's technical limitations to that, right? You lose, you lose things when, when you have that. So as far as technical aspects, I think there's done, there's definitely, I'm not missing any colors. That's for sure. Um, that doesn't stop me from buying colors that are close or similar to other things, but I just don't see, I, yeah, I got nothing for this, so I'm not seeing anything. I'd be interested to hear if, uh, any listeners, you know, after they hear this episode, if they think they're, we're actually missing something like the only thing I can even think of is, is, is dry time. You know, that would be a, to be able to get dry time in all the inks that ink colors that you love and it to work well. Um, so that would that would be a, a technical challenge for someone. All right, Mr. Dookie, I'm having a hard time finding a finer refill for my Retro 51s. We get this question a lot, Mike. Um, the Schmidt and Retro 51 capless refills are awesome, but I can't seem to get anything thinner than 0.6. Monteverde makes a 0.5 millimeter gel that's super popular. And that's if you want something to just pop right in. If you want to manipulate a refill to where you have to hack it a little bit. Um, some of the uniballs and pilots and zebra refills can be hacked to fit into the Schmidt retro 51 P 8127 style, something that'll fit in there. And we'll put a link in the show notes. Mike, I'll add that to the doc here. Um, Anna has a really great refill guide and goes through some of the things that will, uh, will hack into there. So that will be, uh, something to check out. We'll put that in there in the show notes. E. Scott Mitchell says, my favorite ink is Private Reserve Ebony Purple, a dark saturated saturated black with a subtle purple secret. Lately, I've been, been getting some crystallization in some, not all pens. Can either of you think of another interesting black with a twist or a secret identity? So, Oh, I like that phrase, secret identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah like so that's that. good. Um, So a couple of things on this. One, Private Reserve is kind of known for like weird ink effects, which is honestly, I don't use them because of that. Um, two, if you want to keep that purple flavor in there, Monteverde has come out with a new um, ink lineup. I don't exactly recall the name, but they've started to do some black mixtures into there, into those uh, ink colors, um, you know, green blacks and purple blacks and, and uh, aside from blue blacks, which uh, pretty much anyone anyone can do and the third one which i'm vamping here mike trying to find the ink name is the one i use it's a black ink that doesn't necessarily have a hint of another color in but is just a shade of black that seems um uh, it has more character than any flat black would and it's the uh the from the the kyoto no oto ink lineup and I can't remember the name off the top of my head and I am searching uh s- someone can tell me in the chat room as I search for this let's find it here almost there Michael so it's the Nure Biro ink so we'll put this in the show notes it's like a raven's wing like you see the iridescence of you see a black raven right and you can see kind of those uh iridescent colors on their wings or their feathers it's a really, really neat black ink. It's one of the most enjoyable black inks I do. I use um, 
because I don't use very many of them because they're mostly boring. This is not a boring ink, but it's pretty much black without any undertones. It just has a little bit of extra character to the, to the sheening of it, and it makes it look really cool on the page. All right, Miathet. You are just discovering stationery and jet and jet pens and want free shipping. How do you allocate your $25? This is an easy question for me, and it's pretty much a repetition of things you could pull off my top five pens list. You're getting a Uniball Signo DX. You're getting a Uniball Kurutoga. You're getting a Rhodia A5 pad of some shape or form, you know, probably, you know, either you know blank or lined or gridded um you could pick out a highlighter the uh kukuyo beetle tip is like my highlighter that yeah, i pick in I like this thing. 25 yeah it's a great like if you kind of get like the one of each thing you get the kurataki zig mangaka um drawing pen you go down my top five lists you pick the top <laughs> the top one item from each of those lists like the non-expensive fountain pen lists and those are the things that build out your little kit there and you get to $25 like no problem you get the you get the um the zebra super fine brush pen you kind of just do it's a one of each thing it gets you like right at 25 bucks i should just do a post for this little kit um and, and put that out there because it's super simple it's and it you get really really good stuff and you get to try a bunch of different things so it's a it's a good question to uh, make me remember to do a post about it, but it's it's real real simple to build. So just hit that top five list, go off the pick the top the top choice in each of the the low end categories, and you're set. So uh, my recommendation would be to go wild building out some high tech Sikalito stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can lose you yourself do it, in that. Yeah, those are really cool. Like I love those pens, the uh, three and four color color ones. I don't go for the fives; those are too wide. All right, Doc Ketchup wants to know, I just got a Pilot Falcon, and I'm looking for a blue or blue-black ink that will sheen when I flex the nib. What are your recommendations? I go straight to Robert Oster for this, even though there's more sheeny blue-blacks out there, but like you can get Lake of Fire from Robert Oster, which is pretty easy to get a hold of. It's really well-priced, and you're going to get it's like some bright blues in there. Then you're going to get a great red sheen, and even though... The Falcon is not a crazy flex nib. There's enough line variation in there to where you're going to see that those characteristics with um, something like Lake of Fire. And a lot of his blues and blue-black inks have good shading. So just check out the Robert Oster inks. And they're not like hyper shading. Like if you want something that's really, really crazy, you're going to look at Organic Studio like Nitrogen. But I think that's a little bit of extreme. I don't know if that's exactly where you're, you're going out with this question. So, Mord Shungrig wants to know, is there a planner with a layout comparable to the Hobo Nichi Techo Cousin? I adore the look, but don't want to stumble over a better alternative after getting it. The one that people compare the most to the Cousin is the Jibun Techo by Kukuyo. So I think those are your two options for the massively huge, all the thing layouts in a planner. So the Techo Cousin or the Jibun Techo. And we'll put a link in the show notes to that. Yep, found it. Um, 
if you're not going to do those things, then you're probably looking at something Rhodia does, which is a completely different layout, um, more simpler, different paper. But the Techo Cousin and the Jibun Techo are the ones are kind of like the one and two for that type of planner. You know, that's not a planner for everyone by any stretch of the imagination. They're very they can be overwhelming and complex, but those are the two in a category all by themselves. And Mike, we made it. I win. We're going to get win. all the questions in. Actually, do you know what? We're going to finish the episode hmm. right here. <laughs> Thanks. No, we'll do this last one. Go on. <laughs> this is a good question, and uh, I, I put it for last. It's a real simple question, um, but without a real simple answer. Sebastian Morissette wants to know, what qualifies a pen as tactical? So for me, what qualifies a pen as tactical is if it is advertised as doing one thing that's not related to writing with it. I don't know if I explained that right, but if you're marketing a pen and in your marketing, there's something listed that is not related to the actual writing performance or, you know, the clip or the knock. I don't think bolt action counts because that's a, that's a, um, that's a deployment of the, of the writing mechanism. Right. But a pointed end that you can stab somebody with or a glass breaker tip on the end of the barrel, those things push it over into the tactical, you know, it has to have one thing that is a feature that is not related to writing. Um, (laughs) I don't know how to like define it more than that. Um, Some have lots of things that are not related to writing as a feature, but once you move into the non-writing feature, and I'm not talking about like a grip, like if a grip is knurled or, you know, there's cutouts or flute, fluted barrels, those aren't tactical. It has to have a feature that is in addition to its writing. So that's that's my definition. That's the way I see it. So anything anything stabby or punchy or breaky <laughs> gets into tactical. But like I am fine with like, you know, some pins that look tactical are more just tactical. They have the aesthetic, but they don't really have the uh, the additional features. So that's it, Mike. All we right. We did it. We did an entire STPA question. And I appreciate everyone sending all the questions. We've been holding some of these for a couple of weeks. And uh, sorry, we're a little slow in getting, getting you an answer. But we had a plan. We got it all out there. And uh, I, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoy answering all of your STPA questions. All right. If you want to catch our show notes, head on over to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 316. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find Brad online at penaddict.com, twitch.tv slash penaddict. He's penaddict on Instagram, dowdyism on Twitter, knock.co for his... Oh, it's so long now. You know what yeah, you need? One hmm. place that I can send people to. You know? I, I have I have braddowdy.com that I've I've built out through Squarespace, one of those pages, but I don't even have all the links on there yet. <laughs> you do that, and then people right. go to braddowdy.com. So right. if anybody's been listening for long enough, this means I will now badger Brad for about two months before mm. he ends up putting everything that he needs on that page. But eventually, <laughs> it'll be a good place to go for all that stuff. Yes. I am just iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and you can go to relay.fm slash shows to find this show and many more. Thanks again to our sponsors. Uh, the fine folk over at Squarespace and Harry's. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. 
Goodbye, Brad.